Hey, good job on that one, Pastor. All right. So, it's, the Bible is really clear that when somebody repents, so when they decide to just not live their life for themselves any longer, and then they live it after God and what He's calling them to, all of heaven rejoices and the angels rejoice. That's why I get happy and excited for days when I, start to, when I hear about somebody that's you know, deciding to follow Jesus. There's that old school song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I won't sing it, but you could Google it. I have decided to follow Jesus, right? No turning back. Come on, no turning back. There we go, right? Like, that's a legit life-changing situation. And for, the, for someone that means that, that's the Christian, when they never go back, to the way they used to do things, the way they used to live old habits, just destructive patterns, things that didn't bring life, things that didn't lead to Jesus, certainly. So when somebody says, no more, going this way, that's, that stamps somebody's name in eternity forever and then positions them to live this life here on earth in a way they can never think or imagine. It's a powerful and significant thing. And when that seed of the Holy Spirit is planted in somebody's heart and life, the growth on that is going to show and come out in different ways. And we'll talk more about the growth stuff really next week. Um, but this week, you know, our main focus is hearing from you know, some people um, that have decided to just give their lives over to God. Say, you know what? He is my Savior. He is my King. He's the authority in my life. A lot of people don't like that word but he's the authority in my life, and I'm following after that. One thing that... So, so, G, so God has set it up to where those who decide to follow him, and it says like in Matthew 4 right here, um, which you turn to, verse, uh, we'll pick up in verse 18. It says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they're casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets, and they followed him. Right? At once they left their nets, and then they followed him. It's kind of a picture and illustration of how the Christian is supposed to go about their life. As soon as they decide to follow Jesus, they at once they leave. They leave old ways, old behavior, sometimes old relationships, old patterns, and if they can't quite get out of it immediately, what they do is they then set up an action plan with other reliable Christian brothers and sisters that can help kind of get them out of that place, that can help get them out of different ways of thinking, that can help get them out of maybe, um, you know, careless spending, that can help get them out of different ways of thinking about certain topics and different ideas. So, there becomes a moment in somebody's life when they get around God and His truth and His people and church and, or it could be at a retreat, it could be anywhere where they hear God's truth and somebody decides, you know what, I'm living my life after God. There, I don't know everything about this, but something about what so-and-so is saying is striking a chord in my heart. It, it just, it seems right, I, I don't know. And for those of believers, like we know, we, we know about that. We can refer back to that. 
So when somebody has that moment, hopefully, my prayer and my hope is that they respond in that moment and they say, okay, Lord, I give my life to you. I want to follow after you. I don't even really quite know what all that means, but I know that it's right and I know that you're calling me to it. And you say that there's abundant life, that there's freedom, that I really won't even experience true life until I give it away, so I give it over to you. So when somebody does that, it's my prayer, my hope, and my desire that it was sincere, heartfelt, and legitimate. It wasn't coerced in any way. It wasn't emotionally manufactured. So we just got everybody riled up, and it's like, yeah, you know, and throw me in, like an infomercial or something. Because it happens. It definitely happens. Because sometimes, you know, maybe later on after that moment, Someone's like, oh, man, this is what this means? Uh, right, that's when the rubber hits the road. Probably the most parallel relationship you can use is marriage. How, how, nobody, you don't know when you're standing up there with whoever, you're committing your life to them for better, for worse. That's like the clause that does everybody in. For better, for worse, you're committing and pledging to love the way God calls you to love, regardless of what you get back. Let's just settle for a minute. Right? We're pledging to love the way God calls us to love selflessly, regardless of what we get back. So, in the moment, it's just, you know, we're all dressed up. We have everybody come. We sit on the invitations. We're going to do the reception after, you know, like, of course, we're going to say yes and cry while we do it or be happy or whatever. But, you know, five years, two years, ten years later, then that thing will be tested. And it's really, you can't tell in that moment. So love is much more than a feeling. The love God's talking about, it's much more of a commitment. Feelings aren't always there. I can't always trust them. So the same thing like with that prayer in the moment, God, I give my life to you. It could be a strong feeling-like type motion, moment. But we can really tell exactly what's going on with us if we then decide to actually do it and live it and decide, I have decided, right? We decide, we make a commitment, and we choose to follow after him. So I think one of the helpful things that God sets in place to help us really get it, because sometimes we're a little bit thick. Maybe you're not, but sometimes I can be. One of the guards he sets up for us is this idea of baptism. Baptism doesn't save anybody. What it does is it shows that a Christian is just being obedient to a system that God set up. He said, listen, if you follow me, you gave your life to me, what you do is you then get baptized. Believe and be baptized, as in the book of Mark. So, Okay, it's just an obedience issue. That's all that it is. So it's interesting, when we get to Sunday fun day and baptism and things like that, you know, we'll talk and be around, or I'll talk and be around certain people and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I just gave my life to the Lord. I just became a Christian. I just, da 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 And then we get to baptism time. And it's like, it doesn't quite hit home what they decided to do until the baptism thing comes up. It's like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> it's like the decision moment, that, that's when it mattered. 
The baptism issue was just like confirmation that it was legit in the first place. That it was sincere. That you really meant it. And if so, somebody were to be like, you know what? Eh, I think maybe I need to I think maybe I need to wait on the whole baptism thing. I actually like I don't I don't get frustrated or upset about that at all. I don't think God does either. Because I think what happens, I know what happens, is that God grabs a hold of their heart and their mind. They they finally, for whatever reason, start to get the picture of what it really means to follow after him. And once you go public, it's public. Baptism is intentionally designed to be public. That way, when the rest of the world looks at our lives, it's like, oh, well, actually, that makes sense. Their life pretty much matches up with that. Hopefully, we don't get the other side where it's like, really? Wow, that's weird. I've seen them treat their spouse some kind of way. And maybe that's new Christianity. I don't know. <laughs> so, I like that God set up this guard of baptism to really send home, hey, listen, this is the real deal here. You're really doing it. And so, and so in this situation, every year it happens for us when we have baptisms. There's always a few that are like, nah, maybe not quite yet. But I'm grateful because now at least they're thinking more, they're getting into it more. And like Jesus said, he said, count the cost. Who's going to go build something and decide to go somewhere and do something without counting the cost? So it's a good thing to count the cost. It's my heart's prayer, and I'll continue to pray that eventually they will make the good decision, the best decision, and follow after him and do it. But I pray that they will never battle with that thought, that that idea of being all in for Jesus. Because that will definitely be the biggest regret they'll ever have in their life. Where they battle for some period of time, and I was like, eh, I'll think about it later. It's bad news. So on that note, we have three people that are going to come up and share today. And this is interesting because they... Um, young family, and like we talked about last week, baptism is not some sort of uh, sacrament or um, rite when it's just like a novelty, a nice thing to do. It'll be something that will grow our family closer together. Uh, it'll be something that would just be, I think, good for all of us and put us on the right track. Right? That'd all be wrong and incorrect ways to think about baptism. It's all about following Jesus. That's what it's about at the end of the day. It's one individual heart, one soul saying, that's my Savior, that's my King, I'm leaving everything else, and I'm surrendering to what He has for my life. That's not just a novelty thing. It's a personal heart and commitment thing. That's, that's what it is. So it just happened to work out, and it doesn't always work. Actually, this will be our first time in five years to where it's worked out this way, to where a small family, each and every person said, hey, I'm following after Jesus. So that's pretty neat. It's pretty exciting. So, which one of you guys want to come up first? <laughs> Point to Kenny. Hey, put it on the little guy. Kenny, come on up. Kenny, come on up. All right. Come on up, Kenny. All right. So here's what we'll do. Oh, good. We got this turned on for you. And you know what? We'll just kind of put it like right here. So here's the deal. Before, and I'll do kind of a Q&A with Kenny. That way I make it a little bit easier for him. All right? So this, post, this brings up an interesting question, right? Just for the fact that he, how old are you? Twelve. Twelve, right? So it's interesting. So you have a 12-year-old coming up here and saying this, right? All of us know he has no idea what's before and in front of his life, right? 
He has no idea. He's got to still make it through middle school. He's got to make it through high school. We'll see what happens with college. Hopefully there's only going to be one female in his life. Right? There's going to be all kinds of pressures and influences from the world, right? This is a significant moment. So the skeptic and the cynic will say, man, well, you know, that's, that's great, but he's got a lot of life to live and to learn. Maybe. But if he's choosing on his own that Jesus is his Savior and that he wants to follow after him, I don't think it's ever the church's right to get in the way of that and say, no. So, like, we just get behind it and we celebrate it, and then what we do, what we our responsibility in this thing, is to help him stay on track and be voices of wisdom and encouragement in his life towards Father. That's our role. Some churches, like, they make you take, say covenant out loud, everybody reads it, you know. We could do that. I don't know. I'm just telling you what the deal is. As a Christian family, that's what you do. Somebody comes alongside, you help them out. Young, old, or whoever. So, Kenny, just a couple questions. You ready? Yeah. You sure? Mm-hmm. You excited about today? Yeah. You a little nervous? Yeah. <laughs> You're doing good. So, tell us, uh, give us your entire name. So, an easy question. Like, my middle name? Too? Yeah, everything. Kenneth Nathaniel Ventura. Nice. When's your birthday? March 14th. March 14th. Any other March birthdays? No? The only one. Oh, yeah? Something else interesting about his birthday, and honestly, I would only know this because I'm involved with teaching. What's that? Is it really? I didn't know that. Einstein's birthday. High five on that. Pi day. Boom, boom. Right? Pi day as well. You're like, what's that? Right, 3.14, that thing, that number, right? Circumference, diameter. Yeah, we digress. All right. So, birthday's on Pi Day. And um, so let me just ask you this. We'll get right to it. Um, why do you think you should or need to get baptized? Because Jesus died for me in my sins, and he loves me. I just want to, like, show him that I love him by doing this one thing. Right? And that's that simple faith, Kenny, that you, can, you always have to hold on to. It says that we're supposed to come to God with a childlike faith, right? That means vulnerability. That means dependability. That's what that means. So when we get kind of too smart for our britches and we think we know something, it looks very much like a faith like that, and that's the kind of faith that God works with. A dependable faith, a vulnerable faith. So somebody want to pray over Kenny? Go ahead, pray over him. <clears throat> Coming up? Come on up. Let's do it. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this son. We thank you that he is your son, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that you, a new commandment you have given us, that we love each other. As you have loved us, we love each other. Mm. And Lord God, you just put it in my heart that the kind of love that we have for each other is that we believe in each other, that we have faith, just like we have faith in you. If we didn't believe in you, Lord, we could not say we love you. But we do love you because we believe in you. I believe in Kenny here. 
I have faith in him. I see you, your mighty hand in his life. I see your mighty hand in his parents' life. I just see you guiding him, leading him. I just see it, Lord God. I have faith. Mm. I love him. Mm. And we love him. And we're there. We're there for each other, Lord God. Because that's what you commanded us to do as disciples, to love each other. And we thank you for this young man who came in himself to you today. Mm. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name. Yes, God. And we just pray for Kenny, Lord. And we pray, Father, that your protection and your favor would just be on his life in a significant way, Lord. Mm. We pray, Lord, that you bring wisdom to his parents that they need to further call out the young man of Christ that's within him. Mm. And I pray, Father, that us as a church family, um, that we take it really seriously, Lord, to help build into his life, Lord. Mm. Just like any of the children in our church, Father. But I pray, Lord, just as a young man like this, 12 years old, committing his life to you, I pray that you speak to him in dreams, you speak to him in visions, yes, Lord. Lord. You just call out his heart, Father. And I pray that, Father, he'd just be able to pick up on things and surrender to your truth at an early age, Lord. That he wouldn't have to learn many things the hard way, Father. That he would just trust you and go after you. Yes. So we just thank you, Father, for young county, Lord. And camp your angels around him, Lord God, protect him, Lord God. Mm. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good job, man. <clears throat> so good deal, right? Twelve years old. I remember being nine when I did mine. And honestly, mine was more fear-driven than anything. It was Sunday school. It was at Assemblies of God Church. And, uh, and that's not a knock in the Assemblies of God Church. It was just, you know, it is what it is. It was Sunday school, and they were talking about hell that morning. It's like, I don't want to go there. <laughs> but, you know, however we receive the message, whatever happens, God places moments and times in our life to say, hey, this is what it means. We're still doing this. And I can remember at significant ages, you know, at 15, at 19, 24. I remember at ages, just along the way, it's like you start to get a picture of what it really means, and it's like, crossroads time. Are we really doing this? Are we really doing this? Are you still really in? And I remember those. I remember those. Um, her. All right, Eileen. Come on up. Yep, that works. No, just this one. But I wanted to share one thing, too. Um, so thank you to... Um, all of you who were praying for Eileen, she had to take a big test the other day, and she killed it. Yeah! Good job. Pastor asked me to speak. He called me yesterday. He said, just a few lines, not that much, even if it's just a minute. And I'm like, it's really not going to be a lot. So I'm thinking about it last night, and I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. Maybe I should just start writing. It looks like it's going to be more than a minute. I kind of wrote a lot. <laughs> I had a lot to say. I don't do great with public speaking. I'm super shy. Babe, don't record, please. <laughs> I was baptized at a Catholic church as a child. And growing up, I believe I've always had a close relationship to God. My mom brought me up that way. She even taught me how to read through the Bible. I felt just talking to God was a prayer, as long as it ended with, in Jesus' name. But I still didn't have a clear understanding of who Jesus was. 
I just knew I believed in God. I gave myself to Jesus as a teenager with the direction of a couple of strangers who approached me and asked to pray for me. They asked if I believed in Jesus and asked me to repeat after them. But it wasn't until older that I truly understood the Trinity. And it wasn't until these past couple of years that I sensed what I perceived to be the Holy Spirit. I just want to give myself to Christ in every way possible. I want to work for him every day, even if it's just by having others witness him and me. I want people to know, I want people that know me to know that I'm a Christian who really loves the Lord. I want to fully open up to him and help others see for themselves it's okay to be an open Christian. I want to spread his love, and I think this is a great start. God has done many amazing things in my life, especially compared to how I was a few years ago. I was at a point where I truly didn't want to live anymore. And there was E, pulling me back to Christ, trying to open my eyes and heart again. I feel it was only God who directed us to Naugatuck, and then to this awesome church where I feel loved every single time we're together. The blessings just keep coming and coming, and I know with no doubt there's only one to thank for, to whom I give praise. I am so grateful to have such a supportive family, Kenny and E, leading in the right direction as well. I heard it isn't good to be proud, but I'm proud to be a Christian. I want to give myself to Christ wholeheartedly in every way, and I thank him for this opportunity. I want to be obedient, and Christ commanded us to get baptized, so I think this is the next step. That's all. Yes. It's powerful, right? Significant. Totally from the heart. And that's the thing, you know, sometimes like, so this is not in the Bible, hey, when you give your life to the Lord, make sure you go in front of the church and say why you're getting baptized. It's not in the Bible. Like I said last week, I realized that. I get that. Um, if you fought me enough on it, I'd just say, okay, fine. You know, you don't have to. Um, but the idea in that being, you know what, it's very helpful for the church family to hear stories of, you know, what's going on where people are at. It's really helpful. Uh, and it really helps really start to set that idea at a, at, at a very early stage of this Christian life is really about how it can help build up others and really less about me. So um, she did an awesome job. Awesome job. So E, can come up share a little bit? Yeah. How you guys doing? God bless. Ali made me cry, so sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> Pastor told me last week, I think it was, that we have to, we don't have to, but he said, you know, if I wanted to speak, well, I want to get baptized, I said, of course. Um, growing up, I grew up Catholic, got baptized as Catholic, um, nothing against Catholics, my mother's a Catholic, so, um, grew up Catholic, I knew who God was, but I didn't have a relationship with Christ, 
it wasn't up to the age of 26 or something like that. Um, I lived life thinking that I was the one who does everything, that I took care of everybody, uh, friends and family. I was, I was the man, you know. That's the way I looked at myself. I was self-centered at all times. It was just me, me, me. I did this. I got a good job because I worked hard and I did everything. And uh, I got around a group of people that were supposedly my friends, and I started selling drugs. So, bam, I started making good money. I was a city bus driver in Schenectady, New York, and then I got with a group of people, and I was like, you know what, I want to make more money, so I started selling drugs. Now, selling drugs, I'm making a whole lot of money. I'm buying everything for everybody. I'm just spending a whole lot of money anyway. Uh, I end up stopping to do that a year before the feds came and got me. Cops came and got me. I was doing good for a whole year. I stopped selling drugs. I was living a good life for what the world calls a good life. Uh, I used to go to strip joints a lot, and I used to do a lot of things, so it wasn't really a good life. Uh, anyway, the feds came and got me, and... and I was, I was kind of scared. I'm not going to lie. I've never been to a federal prison in my life. So they came. They got me. I prayed. I was in nine, nine days. I was inside. I prayed so hard. That's the first time I prayed. That's the first time I really prayed. And I asked God. I was like, God, please get me out of here. Please get me out of here. Please get me out of here. And I'm crying my heart out. Nine days later, God lets me out. I'm like, all right, you know, this is cool. Now, my cousin, <laughs> my cousin's a Christian, and he always told me, come to church with me, come to church with me, come to church with me. Ah, uh, you know, I, I always tell him, nah, I know who God is, whatever, whatever. But that time, he's the one who came to pick me up. He had no car. Him and his wife and his two kids rented a car. They came five hours away just to come and get me. So the only thing that I could do is say, you know what, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pick you guys up because I have the car, and we're going to go to church on Sunday. He went crazy. He went hysterical. That's the first time I ever went to a Christian church, and it is the presence in there was so amazing. And I was like, "All right, this I could do this." Time moves on. I'm I'm going through trial and stuff like that in, in my case, and uh, I'm gonna fast forward because I don't have a lot of time. So I go to prison, point blank. I, I go to prison. Uh, before I came, before I went to prison, I was living in New York. I moved to Bridgeport with my mom knowing that I was going to prison so I could spend a little bit of time with her so she would be good before I leave. Now, I went away. I went to a Christian church out here. I got baptized. But getting baptized there was sort of a thing that I was like, all right, I'm just going to do this just to show people, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm still doing what I want to do. And when I went to prison, God really opened up my spiritual eyes, and God showed me who he was. God took me out of the equation and said, listen, you're not the one who takes care of anybody. I take care of everybody. I take care of your mother. I take care of your sister. I take care of your friends. Whoever you think that's around that you take care of, I'm the one who does it. Without you being in the equation and giving them money, they still living. My mother was about to go to foreclose on her house. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed so hard. And her... Her mortgage was like $1,300, $1,200, something like that. God made a way, and he brought it down to 300 and change. 
That's only God. Only God could do things like that. Also, uh, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost from the Holy Ghost in prison and started speaking in tongues. What's funny about that is one Sunday I'm at church. We all praying. Uh, pastor from outside comes in, Pastor Rios, and he prays over me. And he starts, he, he speaks Spanish. So he started, started telling me in Spanish that, that I'm, I'm supposed to preach. I'm supposed to be a pastor. And I'm like, I'm crying. I'm going crazy now. I'm like, now nah, this can't be happening. Like, I don't, I don't really believe it, but I, I, I feel it. So Wednesday comes is Bible study, prayer night. I started, I was praying from Sunday to Wednesday. I was like, God, if this is real, I've been praying to speak in tongues for a long time. I said, make it happen. That Wednesday, I spoke in tongues seriously, and I couldn't even stop. Something that was so amazing to me, it felt so good, but I opened up my eyes. I'm praying, eyes closed, and I'm just saying things that I never said. I don't even know what I'm saying. I open up my eyes, and I'm looking at the guys surrounding me, and I'm like, I'm pointing at my mouth like I can't stop. I can't even say I can't stop, but I'm pointing them. And they said, listen, that's the Holy Spirit. Just let it, let it go. It's good. It's something good. And I'm like, I'm shaking my head like I'm kind of nervous. Like, I can't stop, though, you know. I, I, it's, it's unbelievable. But the feeling was so amazing. I, I, don't, I don't do drugs. I never did drugs in my life. But that's the best high I ever had in my life. Like, if there's a high that you want, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God. That's the best way. That's the only way. I come home and and... God's had, had his favor. He got his hand on my life. I have favor with God, like so much favor. I ended up getting a free car when I came home from prison. People don't even know me, and they're just giving me stuff. Like, God told me to give you this. And I'm like, really? Like, I believe it. Well, the reason why I want to dedicate my life again is because now it's real to me. Now I know what it is. I've experienced everything that God has to offer and more than that. And not only because God is offering me something, he already gave up his son. Like my son said, he gave up his son to die for our sins. Like that's the ultimate sacrifice. Now I want to die to myself and I want to show the world that I want to die to myself and I want to live for him. And that's the reason why I want to get baptized. That's it. God bless. Verse uh, 13. Take a look, right? You, my brothers, were called to be free. Let me just stop right there. Just let that settle in for a minute. We're called to be free. Your life is called to be free. We're not called to be imprisoned by anyone or anything, by any relationship, by any thought process, by any behaviors. We're called to be free in every sense of the word. Free from substances, Free from just emotional anguish? Free from anxiety altogether? Free from what other people think and feel about us? Free from having to respond in retaliation? Free from just like, I've had it up to here and I can't, like, that stuff starts to go away in Jesus. Get a brand new life. So it's pretty natural and pretty commonplace to repay love for evil. So other people, other situations aren't jacking up our lives all the time. 
And like what we've said before here and other people have said, you don't let life speak louder than truth. We give truth such a place in our lives where that's the thing that speaks loudest all the time and that's what guides us. And we're set free to be free. And stay in that place. Everybody say, set free to be free. That's the deal. Free from the curse of sin, so our names are written in heaven. And that's what that Romans 10 verse was about. I did not read it. It says, whoever will confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, they will be saved. That's what that Romans 10 verse said. So whoever will confess with their mouth, believe in their heart, they will be saved. And then the person gets a life to live to show that confession, to show that faith. So we're set free to be free. It says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Warning, right? Warning, warning. So some of us do. We get free and we start getting crazy. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting, devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Layman's terms, stop the bickering and the arguing and going after each other. Stop getting so jacked up by how somebody responds to you. That has no place for the believer. Are you hearing me? It's got no place. We're supposed to be living at a completely different source in a completely different way. Offenses should be really small, if at all, in our life. Okay, so then you think about yourself. Well, you know what? I get offended pretty easily. Well, all right. Good. Let's be honest about that. Tell God about that. And then set up an action plan. An action plan. What are you talking about? An action plan. Call up so-and-so. Hey, I just get mad at people. I get frustrated fast. Number one, I need someone to talk about this with. Number two, I need someone to pray with, with me about this. Consistently. Saying a one-hit wonder. God's bringing it out, but I've got to set up an environment to where he can do it. Action plan. That's a Christian being serious about being a Christian. Verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Take, take a look down, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, everybody say fruit. Okay, this is what our lives will start to look like, start to see more of, the way we start to function. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Right, the fruit of what God's doing in our life looks like that. So let me just say a couple things about the fruit and then we close up in prayer. One thing about the fruit, number one, the seed is the spirit. Say, the seed is the spirit. Seed is the spirit. I might keep a garden, do any gardening at all of any kind. Got a whopping three people. So, right, when you plant anything, you start with the seed, right? God starts the same way. The believer, I give my life to you. I'm following after you. You've heard it said a lot of different ways, and we will continue to. That's the, the spirit then comes in as a seed. And then what happens, that seed's got to then take root, build roots, and then start to grow. So just two thoughts about that. Number one, 
Many times, not all the time, many times the growth is gradual. Everybody say gradual. Gradual. I have a garden at my house right now. It's doing horribly. I'm so upset. I spent a lot of time rebuilding it and supposedly upgrading from last year. It's failing. <laughs> Trying to rescue this thing. It's just not good. I was like, we're supposed to have awesome like lettuce and spinach and just... I got like four strawberries. The thing's horrible. It's horrible. And they're like this big. It's just bad. Now, the little bit of growth that happened. I remember taking a look at... Because I was really excited about the strawberry plants. I was like, oh, I really want some fruit out of that thing. And so I remember like, you know, getting excited in the beginning and watering it and seeing it. I'm like, oh, like, staring at it. You don't see anything. Come on to the next day. Don't see anything. See anything. Dang, I buy a bad plant. Like, what's the deal? Looking at it, looking at it. Then something happens one day. Walk out there in the garden. I see some, I see a little red strawberry on there. Where'd that guy come from? And I see a couple of spinach guys popping in the other thing. I see a little Swiss chard growing up. Growth, many times, not all the time, growth is gradual. Just because all you can see in front of you is all the ways you don't look like Jesus doesn't mean Jesus isn't working. Boom! I hope you heard it. Just because all you can see in front of you is all the ways that you don't look like Jesus does not mean that the Spirit is not working in your life to make you more like Him. We've got to get off that trip. That's where freedom comes in. Because we, we, we're not imprisoned to have to look like Him and perform at a certain level, otherwise we're failures. We live under grace that empowers us to get there. So number one, that fruit is gradual. Number two, that fruit is inevitable. Say inevitable. It's inevitable. It's happening. It's happening. If the Spirit is there, that stuff is coming out. It's coming. The part that we play is we have a choice to set up what kind of environment the spirit, the seed can grow in. That's our choice. Very obviously, in my own personal garden at home, I've done a poor job of cultivating a good environment for it to flourish and blossom. I hope that's not a reflection on my heart. God's like, fix it! But that's our job is to cultivate just an environment to where His Spirit can take off. We play a role in this thing. It's inevitable. But it's not guaranteed to happen as quickly as He would like to do it. We've got to play our part. So they're going to get baptized, and we're going to baptize more people, and it's going to be awesome. It's still a work in progress, you know what I mean? Like the rest of us. Spirit's still working. We're still being transformed. The real Christ followers are embracing that and being like, yeah, I am being transformed. The real Christ followers are setting up action plans in place for the areas that they know that they're weak. They're not just sitting on it and be like, yeah, I'll get to it one day. Eventually I'll take it seriously. What do you mean event? Like, you don't even see that in Jesus. And he said, follow after him. Follow after him. You guys with me? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. 
Uh, we'll play that song, Eric, that last one that we did before, Take My Life. And we'll just play that one softly. So, so for, uh, hopefully for a lot of us, I hope that's a cry out. That's a cry out for us. Just take my life, Lord. Like I haven't said in a while, but just take my life. It's yours. I'm sorry for like trying to grab it back. It's yours. It's yours. I don't want to respond out of anything else other than you. So we'll do that. And before we sing that song, um, let's bow our heads and close, close our eyes just while we're on this. So we'll bow our heads, close our eyes. Um, is there anyone uh, in this room here, hopefully we can baptize you next week, is there anybody in this room here that's saying, like, today, today I'm committing my life to God. He is my Savior. I want to live after Him. I never have before in a real way, but I am now. Um, is there anybody in the room today that, that wants to do that? If there is, everybody's heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you want to say that and commit your life over to Him today, just look up, look at me. Just look up, look at me. Praise God on that. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> so, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for at least one more life this morning, Father, that said they want to give their life over to you, Lord. I pray that they would trust you in every sense of the word for what you're going to bring into their life, Lord. And I pray, God, that as we play this song, um, that we truly think about the words, Lord, and what you're doing and what you're calling us to do, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll play the song. You can sing along if you'd like, or just spend the time in prayer, and then we'll close up. (laughs) 